Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. As many of you know, here at St. Basil's, we want to hit the ground running at the beginning of the year. So instead of letting January and February just kind of meander by and then try to start up something big at Lent, the staff and the parish council, we wanted to help engage these months so that we continue to grow with kind of the energy from Christmas all the way into Lent so that we continue to grow and walk with God in fruitful ways. So we have a theme for the next two months here. And the theme is you can't love what you don't know. You can't love what you don't know. And this comes from several things. One is St. Basil, whose feast day is today. He himself was a world-renowned theologian and philosopher. He was incredibly educated. And not only in what we might say speculative truth, contemplative truth, but also in practical affairs. He developed one of the first hospital systems known to modern man, actually. He was also consulted often on political affairs. So he he was brilliant, sought after in his wisdom and knowledge. So as our patron, we wanted to honor him with growing in knowledge. But also, we know that here in Brecksville, Ohio, many of you would represent the highest percentage of educated men and women, not just in the Diocese of Cleveland, not just in the state of Ohio, not just in the United States, but worldwide. We happen to be a very educated community. And what happens, just normal course of life, is we become really, really intelligent in some areas, and our faith knowledge is really, really small. And you try to put these things together, and it becomes, well, faith seems irrelevant. And we kind of water it down to just be nice. And the mystery of the creator of the stars becoming man at Christmas is a lot more mysterious complex, challenging, beautiful, and adventurous than just be nice. So we want to help you engage, and there's all sorts of things we're going to do over the next two months, but Father Matt and I have committed that our Sunday homilies are going to go a little bit deeper than normal. We're going to actually unpack some of the rich symbolism in the scripture that we don't always spend time unpacking, so that as you enter into the revelation of God, You can see his plan at work in your life with greater ease and live it with greater joy and share it with greater confidence. So with that said, I want to name two things before we talk about the scriptures. The first is this. It's kind of a psychological hurdle we need to get through when we start engaging the faith, which is, boy, this is a lot. Can't we just get back to just say your prayers and be nice? Let me first say this, what we deal with in our faith is a reality called God. God is infinitely bigger than you and me. He is infinitely bigger than all of creation. The telescopes, the satellites still haven't gotten to the end of his toy known as creation. He's infinite. So we'll never comprehend God. But our goal is to apprehend little pieces of him along the way. And the little bit that we know is so beautiful that our hearts warm in love for him. And as that happens, we begin to live according to the way of our design. 
and we find peace and joy. So as you hear some of the teachings and you go, whoa, that's a lot, good. It means you're encountering a little, little, little piece of the allotness of God, right? And that's what we do here in the church. We talk about God. Great. Here's the second thing for today. The Bible. The Catholic way of understanding the Bible is a phrase called typology. Typology, like all the ologies, biology, psychology, is the study of types or signs. And what it means is this. We read the Old Testament as full of signs pointing to their fulfillment in the New Testament in Jesus. And then the church, all of us, get to participate in that fulfillment through the sacraments and the Holy Spirit. I'll say it again. Signs, all the stories, people, imagery in the Old Testament are signs, symbols, pointing to fulfillment in Jesus and the New Testament. And then that we get to participate in in the 21st century in Brecksville through the church. So now this will make sense. So what do we have going on today? Well, we have the three kings, the three magi, the wise men, all these different words for them coming from the east to worship Jesus, to bring him gifts. And the first thing is we think, well, yay, more people following Jesus. How nice. But if you were a first century Jewish man or a woman, you would see this event a lot differently. What you would recognize is that from the beginning of Israel, God promised not just that Israel would be a nice nation, not just that Israel would be okay, but that Israel would be like a magnet and all the kings and all the nations of the world would flood towards Israel. And God, through this person known as the Christ, the anointed or chosen one, through this person, God would bring all of humanity back together. And in the prophets, it says, in particular, in the temple, as they all worship the same God. That was his promise for generation after generation. That all nations would come together through this figure known as the Christ. And they would all, you would find peace again in the world. So Jesus is born. He's called the Christ, the King of the Jews in the gospel passage. And now we see foreigners, people who aren't Jewish men and women, coming to Jesus. And it symbolizes, it's signified to every Jewish man or woman, in Jesus, God is fulfilling his promises. We have a God who keeps his promises and is fulfilling them in Jesus. The next thing is, is they're bringing three gifts. Now, one way to describe this, if maybe you're like in third grade, is, well, Jesus was born, so he got gifts. Just like on your birthday, you get gifts. That's not a bad way to do it. That's a good way to start. Except that's not what the Bible's trying to convey, right? And so there's something more going on there. Because if you look at them, they're the most impractical gifts to a newborn baby ever, right? They aren't, these wise men are way out of touch, okay? They need a woman in their lives, all right? <laughs> but see, the Bible is saying something here that was prefigured in the old, and now here in Jesus it's being fulfilled. We heard in the psalm and in the first reading that gold from foreign kings would be brought to the king of Israel. Gold represents kingship, 
It's a way of saying, you're my king. You have power over me. I give you my life. You can lead me and rule me because you are the true king. So the gold symbolizes foreign nations coming and recognizing the lordship or kingship of Jesus. The second ones, frankincense and myrrh, these have been paired together in the Old Testament as well. In the Song of Songs, which is love poetry, the story of two lovers pursuing each other and delighting and enjoying each other, right before their marital union, they take what's known as the spousal bath. And in the spousal bath, they don't use like Johnson & Johnson bubbles, okay? What they use is frankincense and myrrh. So the bridegroom and the bride before union are bathed in frankincense and myrrh, which means these two gifts, when paired together, indicate union is about to happen, a reunion. So as you bring frankincense and myrrh to Jesus, what are the scriptures shouting at everyone who could hear it? Those who could hear it realized in this baby is the divine bridegroom and he's going to unite himself to his bride, the church, all men and women who say yes to his gift. And by him uniting himself to men and women of every race and every country, humanity becomes one again through with and in Jesus. You see, this is what the Bible's teaching us. This is what's being revealed. It's not just, isn't it nice that three weird guys from the East brought nice gifts to Jesus who we love so much. That's when we stay there, we don't have the transforming power. But when we enter into the revelation of Scripture, now we hear the good news. The good news is that Jesus is fulfilling all the promises that the Father had made to Israel. And now the next part is the best news for us. We participate in the fulfillment where? At every Mass. If you ever noticed, at every Mass, we bring gifts up of bread and wine from the back of the church. This isn't because we think one family might have fallen asleep and so we gave them the job to stay awake. They got to get up at some time and do something. And it's a lot easier if we just put it up here. Like, it's not like I'm like, well, I can't really bring the gifts up. I need someone to get them. It's not a practical reason. It's a poetic gesture or a symbol. The bread and wine offer you on the altar. What are you bringing to Jesus today? First and foremost, we're invited to bring praise and thanksgiving. Maybe you kept your cool during the holidays around family. Super proud of you. Maybe you didn't, but you know God still loves you. You want to thank him for that. Maybe you're healthy, thanks be to God. Maybe you have a great job right now, awesome. But we also bring to him our needs and desires. Maybe those realities aren't yours. Maybe there's cause or missions in this world that you want to bring to him for his blessing. These are the desires and needs of our hearts that we put on the altar, but they're symbolized in the bread and wine. And notice how while it's not gold, frankincense, and myrrh, it's the same gesture. What are we saying? Jesus, you are king. You have power to do something about my needs, my desires. You are the one who's given me blessings, so I thank you. 
What about frankincense and myrrh? Well, these gifts will be transformed into the body and blood of Jesus, and then you will receive him in the Eucharist. Union happens. So once again, we see the kingship and the union embodied here at the Mass. And then, once you and I receive his body, blood, soul, and divinity, now, now we become the gifts to the world. Because we can tell the world, I know the union you're looking for. I know the healing you're seeking. God has made that promise to you in your desires and needs that you can be whole, that you can find fulfillment. Come, you and I now are a part of the mission of bringing the nations into the new Israel, the church, to worship God in his true temple so that all men and women of every nation and age can come here and worship the true God and we can be one. How? Through, with, and in Jesus. Today's Epiphany Sunday and the Epiphany is that you and I get to play a role in the magnetic power of God drawing all people into intimacy with Jesus and therefore into fulfillment and healing. So let's take a few minutes today and just prepare our hearts to realize what is it that we want to put on the altar today? Maybe it's a moment of thanksgiving. Maybe there's a need or desire. But we give them to God, trusting that he loves us as a divine bridegroom. And he has power like a king to act on our behalf so that we can tell the world the true gospel, which is the good news of Jesus Christ.